Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Matthews, and like every week, I'm super excited to be here. I'm glad that you're listening. If you haven't done so, please like and subscribe. All the great things that help it make it easy for our podcast to show up in your feed, but also that we know that you're following us and that we're, you know, on track. So give us a rating and review. That's also nice. But today is really all about our interview person, Daryl Ann. Will you please? introduce yourself and tell everybody what you know who you are what you do sure sure hey everyone Um, my name is Daryl Ann Estelle I have been in the construction industry since I was 19 years old started out pretty young and kind of been sticking with it ever since love it wouldn't change a thing and you know I'm a project manager in the construction commercial construction field I specialize in mechanical and plumbing construction done a little bit of everything from special projects to new construction, to process work, owner direct, everything kind of all in between. Right now I'm focusing on multifamily commercial developments and construction, mechanical and plumbing. Yeah. So uh, we're, you know, leading up to AHR and I always think about building buildings and building systems uh, when we go into that. And there's part of it is um, engineers, part of it's plumbers and contractors um, as we go into Atlanta for that event. So I was, I was interested in that and kind of, you know, and how you tie into that, uh, but also just interested in how you get it, how you got into the industry. You said 19. So that's, you've been, you've been in here for a while and how did you know about it? I mean, at 19, I didn't have any clue that that was an option for me. So, right. Uh, you know, what's so funny is, um, I didn't know it was an option either, particularly, and I got really lucky. I was kind of at this job. It was, it was a construction related thing, but I didn't know it was construction because I worked in the office and the owner at the time was a landscape architect and a residential, like high-end home architect. And so I really didn't have anything to do with construction. It was really, you know, the stuff behind the scenes and it was a small one person company and, you know, he just wasn't able to sustain like long-term employees. And so I was at this place where I was looking for another job And I wasn't out there specifically like, I need to be in construction. And I just, I happened to come across an office position with a smaller commercial finishing company. And I mean, I think I went in for my interview that was supposed to be an hour and I stayed for three and a half hours talking with uh, my future boss. And by the time I got down the stairs after saying goodbye, she had ran down the stairs after me and said, do you want to start on Monday? And kind of never looked back from there. And so with that, I really started on the office administration side. And within a couple of years, I was project facing and doing more project facing work, being more operational, walking jobs, things like that. So that really, you know, at 19, I started thinking I was going to be an admin kind of deal and work my way up from there and just be like, I took a right turn and went straight for the project. So I love that. And I've learned so much about that role, project management and how like detail oriented that is. And like understanding the whole project is very important. And then being able to like dive down into everything that needs to get done to make sure, I guess it makes sense, you know, but if you just have never worked in that or worked with somebody like that, you don't really understand how much detail that that 
person can like take care of. And just, it's wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. You have to simultaneously understand at all times, a 360 view, very high level holistic picture of your project, or should I say projects? We're usually running multiple projects and you have to be able to get down into the most minute detail. You have to be able to read just everything into your drawings and plans and understand, you know, domino effects of schedule changes and all sorts of little things and how every little part and piece goes together. So you're anticipating, you know, clearing roadblocks and making sure that your projects run smoothly and that your field partners and your superintendents who are also incredibly detailed and high level, um, they're your partners in the, in, in your world, right? Making sure that you're clearing roadblocks for them. It's just, it's essential. It's essential to be able to be down in the weeds and up in the sky. Yeah. And I think that's where I met you at the empowering women in industry event. And I'm in the like, okay, there's a million things to do right now. And you're offering help and like, just immediately know where to put yourself. Like I couldn't have told you <laughs> what I needed help with, but you were like, okay, insert, I'm going to help you in this area, uh, which was wonderful. And so I, I think there's part of that nature of being helpful in service to others that is in that role for sure. And just being able to see it. The The other thing that I, I've noticed kind of and wanted to ask you about was this design build. And I think part of that question and why that is interesting to me, because when you designed, when you design, you've got to think about the other people involved. You've got to think about that mm-hmm. bigger picture. So I'm just curious about, you know, why, why are you talking about that and kind of why it matters um, to you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually really excited for this question. Um, I I love it so much. And, you know, the organization I work for is thrilled when this this type of question gets asked too, because we want to put this out there as much as possible. So design build is a specific type of delivery method, essentially. Um, I think historically, traditionally, we're used to the plan and spec model where the owner and the architect and the engineers, they go off and kind of design a project. The general contractor gets involved. They interpret that, pass down those documents. Everyone has an opportunity to bid those documents. And and there's just a lot of distance, right? There's a lot of distance between the people who are actually installing the work and performing the expertise of the work being installed and have that just foundational field, practical application knowledge to the actual design that happened sometimes a year to a year and a half to two years before any installation takes place. And so design build basically eliminates that distance, right? It takes the people who are on the front lines installing the work and puts them into the design part of that uh, method. And when we close those distances, we see things like improved delivery method. We see cost and schedule growth minimized. We see unit costs go down. Um, You know, relationships are built much earlier on in the process, and then they're able to be maintained well into the actual construction Um, side. And not only that, it connects the most distanced part of the process, which is commissioning and turnover of those buildings, right? So when you're involved in the design, you're not only involved in the design and the construction, but you're also thinking ahead to how do we turn this building over? How do we get this commissioned? And how do we make sure the owner has this incredibly well thought out, successful project but how do they, how do we make sure that their building is functional and beautiful and aesthetically pleasing and everything works and we can turn it over? And so basically design build just takes those gaps and closes them up a little bit more. Um, it's not to say it's perfect, right? We're all human. These systems are made up of humans, but they're not perfect. 
Um, but it gets us closer to perfect, right? Or at least we like to think so anyways. Yeah, um, for sure. I another mean, I thing anytime I... you can communicate more is wonderful, right? Oh, absolutely. And communication. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. This is where we're taking, you know, communication paths that usually go through so many people to travel back and forth where decisions are made. Those communication pathways are made more effective and um, consolidated and people who are impacted by those decisions are in the room while they're being made versus traditional method where ten- we tend to be handed down answers or we hand up questions and then we get handed down answers. Now we're really kind of sitting all in the same room and it's a lot more collaborative. And like I said, we just see great positive impacts on the overall delivery of these projects, the values that the owners are seeing out of this. Um, you know, it, it ends up speaking for itself. Well, I'm curious on all the different projects that you're on. And I can just imagine like, you know, you know, starting a design build project and then you're going to want to continue with those relationships. Maybe they're building something else. And so you're, you know, let's, let's continue that growth on another project. How does that work? But um, I guess mostly it's just, what does your day look like? What, you know, how does that look like (laughs) with so many different things going on? Oh man, I'd say that's probably the hardest question to answer because it looks so different. And I think that's, that's pretty normal for in, in project management, in construction, in the design build, or even the traditional delivery world. Um, you know, some days like this morning, I, I, you know, had every intention of being at the office all day and ended up having to redirect this morning and go to site. And so as a project manager, while I'm not actually installing these things, although I have done that, I have picked up my tools and put my tape measure on you know, I do spend quite a bit of time in the field. And what that looks like is anything from on-site meetings to job walks, to inspections, to being a part of commissioning meetings and turnovers and things like that, being available and productive for customer meetings um, and things like that, to being um, a big part of the office culture here. A lot of my work is done on my double and sometimes triple screens. I would say a lot of it is just a continual project analysis, right? Anything from schedule to construction documents and plans to financials. It's just a constant churn of analyzing all of these pieces, like you said earlier, and just making sure I'm staying connected at a high level and down into the details. And so that brings me to the office sometimes as well to be able to engage with those types of things electronically. A lot of our stuff is electronic. Um, We do spend quite a bit of our time in our management software program. So we've got anything from you know, our customer engagement to our actual project management softwares that put drawings, RFIs, submittals, daily logs at at our fingertips on our phones and our iPads. So we make sure that we have everything in there so that our field partners have that, Um, you know, and then I'm very fortunate. I work for an organization that I'm allowed to and encouraged to be a part of training. So I help train other uh, people in our organization. I'm actually working on mentoring and training to assistant project managers right now. And Uh, And then I'm also really fortunate because I get to do a lot of fun stuff like this. I went to the Empowering Women Conference in October. Um, I'll be at the iLinkUp Women's Forum uh, January 27th as a guest speaker and then doing amazing, fun podcast interviews. So it's really all over the place. And I absolutely love it. Like I said, wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, I think as part of it is, I mean, you're connected to so many people and like how they're successful. Um, So you're going to be able to see that and like, 
that connector and mentoring part of that because you you're seeing it all and involved in so many different pieces you have a different kind of skill set to even go into mentoring because you understand the work that these people are doing um i loved you and your company at empowering women it it was awesome i never get enough time with everybody but i am i'm watching i am absorbing all of it whether i get to talk to you or not um but um i think that part of that was you know, being at a company that is committed to the growth, um, and especially women in our field, in the construction field, just having role models out there so we can get more, um, you know, girls and women uh, involved in the field. I think you're doing the right thing by being active and being out there. So thank you for that. Um, I'm just curious, you know, like, what is that, you know, participating in these things, but what is it really that we need to be focused on, you know, as a whole, when we're talking about people and we're talking about empowering uh, the people that work with us? Sure. I think that first and foremost, uh, you, you actually brought up the term earlier is, you know, when we have a servant mindset, right? A servant, we, at T, we, we have a servant leadership culture. Um, and when we're in service of, you know, the, the people around us at TD, we call, um, our coders partners. So when we're in service of our partners, um, when we view uh, leadership through the lens of serving others and growing others and mentoring others, and when we measure ourselves as leaders, not by how you know well we're doing, but how well the people that we influence and inspire and mentor and grow, how well they're doing, I think it really changes how you approach pretty much anything. You know, this is a life practice that you can take outside of work as well, but particularly at work. Um, And I also think it's a leadership style that really suits this entire idea of empowering women or marginalized groups as well. Like, you know, when we're, when, when we take ego out of the game, right. When we remove ego, when we say that we are going to measure you based on how others grow around you, you become a lot more invested um, with their growth, with their potential And then when we're all doing that, we kind of all rise together. And so it's really important to keep that in mind. Um, And then I also think something that's just, again, equally important is we can't change what we don't call out, right? We can't, we can't make changes. We don't call things out. We can't measure or we can't fix what we don't measure. That's what I meant to say. So things like, you know, being really real and vulnerable and honest about Uh, gender bias in our workplaces, in our industry, when we engage with other things, maybe outside of our specific companies, but other, other trades or other businesses that we engage with, you know, there are gender biases that come with that, that impact women in these roles in industry. There are, uh, you know, we're still dealing with a gender pay disparity. There is a gender pay gap that's still um, rocking and rolling in the system. And there's so many things that contribute to that and factor into that just one I can think of off the top of my head is this thing called overlooked potential effect where women tend to be gauged more on their demonstrated ability. Whereas men tend to be promoted based on their potential. So they have a much shorter pathway to promotions, which translates to money and wealth building and influence in their organizations. Whereas women's tends to be a little bit longer And so I think it's important to be real and have these types of conversations openly, um, remove the shame around them. Um, We need to unlearn what the word professionalism means. 
professionalism has kind of been weaponized to keep us from speaking out on platforms like LinkedIn. This is a professional network. We don't talk about things like that here. We want to talk about business only. So when you say you want to talk about business only, we're kind of removing uh, women's ability to empower each other. We're removing those conversations from the very public. You know, we don't just get to remove half of our humanity when we step into the workplace or we step onto a job site. It's there with us. It comes with us, whether it's publicized or not. So unlearning, you know, the weaponized version of professionalism, being able to speak out and remove the shame and stigma around these conversations, knowing that the only goal is not to take away from, you know, any uh, anybody else. It's simply meant to empower a group or multiple groups. Um, and by helping one, we help all kind of deal kind of deal. So yeah. um, I oh. feel like I took the long way around on that. I answer, love that. But... I, I, I absolutely love that. And I think it's, it's important. A lot of, a lot of the things, I mean, I go into each one of those things that you said yeah. for, for a while, <laughs> but I do love that we, we do need to be human. Okay. We're humans and we need to be able to have conversations and that's how we grow. Otherwise we're just going to do the same old thing and, and we're not going to solve some of these problems because they are just hidden or, um, we don't know that they're problems really, right. Some people don't Absolutely. even see them. Um, right. I know that there's so much that we can talk about, but I'll just kind of give you the floor. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover with, and then leave our listeners with? Yeah, absolutely. And I, one thing that's really important to me being in construction and, um, talking about being in construction, not only as a woman, but anybody in construction or in industry is, um, mental health. Um, our industry tends to lead the way in suicides, unfortunately. Um, and so just that alone on paper indicates that, you know, it's a conversation we need to have more and more, more vocally, again, going back to my statement about removing the shame and stigma around having those conversations. I just this year personally gave a public interview about my mental health journey, and that was big and scary, but it's out there now for the world to see on, on my LinkedIn and um, that was just my like one small contribution to see if, if it helped just one person feel a little bit more safe in, in their existence in what we do, then I felt like it was worth every bit of my anxiety and worry over it. And then I think I mentioned it earlier too, um, specifically about women is just encouraging the conversation still around emotional, psychological, and physical safety and making sure that we empower women with the language, um, the language that they can use in order to have those conversations when they feel like any of that is violated or crossed. That's another thing. A lot of times, you know, when you don't have the language and you don't feel safe or comfortable, it's, it's easier to distance yourself from those conversations or just put up with it or quit and leave and go somewhere else. And so empowering women with the voice of accountability is another big thing. I think, you know, I'd love to leave folks with is we, we need to be having these tougher conversations and learning the language to put a name to it so we can change it. Yeah. And I think that some of these things are just talking about it and, and getting it to where you know what to say. I mean, a lot of the things, you know, around empowering women, it was like, why are you empowering women? And I had to just know, like, it's important. That's my answer. If some, if I feel like, like this is kind of, okay, this is some, somebody's testing me or whatever, and yeah. then, you know, I'm like, I don't even really want to have this conversation because you probably aren't going to understand, but what right. is my response to that? And my response is it's important. And therefore I don't have to get into a, you know, frustrated state or anything. I can right. just stay in my truth. And so 
there's some things with that. There's some setting boundaries, right. And like understanding where your boundary is huge that can help with that. And just know like, that's really unacceptable for me. And if you don't know what's unacceptable for you, then how can somebody else really honor that? And so mm-hmm. getting women to kind of, and this is harder for us because we, you know, a lot of the times we have that like pleasing nature. We want everyone to sure. like us uh, is one of the things. And I think men have that, that trait as well, but traditionally uh, we, we are in sure. that pleasing mode. And so looking forward, you know, having conversations and having resources out there and getting people together um, and, and having that safe space, you know, to be psychologically safe within your organization allows for a lot of this stuff to, to at least, you know, the difference between personal life and work life, that professional life, there is uh, a way to have conversations that are all respectful for everyone. Um, absolutely. And, and necessary. <laughs> and necessary. necessary. Yes, absolutely. Well, absolutely. Thank- Thank you so much for your time. Um, I am excited to just follow your journey, but I do want to just Thank pick you. your brain a little bit with a little rapid fire, if you don't mind. Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. So um, I always start with a book. Do you have a favorite book? Oh my gosh. I have so many. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I actually did a reading challenge last year and my goal was to read 75 books and I made it to 63. So pretty good. Um, I'd pretty say... Good. I'd say from a, like from, from a professional standpoint last year, I had a couple books that stuck with me and I ended up reading twice. Mm-hmm. One was Brene Brown. I think it was dare to lead. And then uh, Michelle wrote uh, the wake up, which is um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging based. And I have a follow-up to that with a book written by Lily uh, Zhang that I can't remember. <laughs> It's just sitting on my desk right now. And of course I blank. You can see it. You um, can remember it. I, I can visualize it, yeah. but yeah, they wrote a fantastic book about practical applications of DE and I efforts in a professional world. And Michelle wrote this wonderful book about kind of understanding the more emotional experiences of different identities and, and folks like that. So it was a great partnering. But yeah. I'd say dare to lead by Brene Brown and the wake up by Michelle um, were, you know, my top two from last year. I read them twice and they're on my shelf right now. I love it. So, so part of this that we just get to know that you are a book reader and then we also yes. get some resources and I love learning about new books. So the next question is songs, uh, favorite song, favorite band, anything like that. Oh, okay. So this is for my kiddos. <laughs> I say that, but it's also totally for me too. So, uh, we have kind of a tradition that every maybe not every year, but every couple of years, we try and see 21 pilots when they're on tour. We saw them a couple of years back and it was one of our favorite concerts. And so every time our new album is released, we all as a family listen to the music and then we get prepped to go to their concert. So I'd say collectively 21 pilots and going to see them live. But if you're just talking me and my life partner, Sean, uh, we really enjoy more rock and more heavy rock. So last year, when concerts were kind of becoming more of a thing again after COVID, we went and I mean, we went back to back. I think we saw a Five Finger Death Punch, Rob Zombie. I mean, we even saw Megadeth. It was just, it was really fun to kind of get back out there. Um, we love going to see live music too. So I'd yeah. say, and I, I listen to everything, you know, anything from classical jazz to hard rock. <laughs> I love it. And uh, Becca, I remember her um, on our team. She uh, was so excited to get back to a concert because that yes. that's that's her um, 
uh, happy place, if you will. So absolutely. Um, okay. Last, not really last, but, um, best advice that you've ever received. Oh, um, let's see. I think, I think I've got a couple. The first one that comes to my mind is learning the art of assuming goodwill. I think it's really easy, especially now, especially with the rise of social media, especially with the rise of just having access to everyone, even professionally. I think it's really easy to assume people's intentions and take things really personally, really quickly, or to hold on to that personalization of whatever you think was happening. And the further I go on the journey of learning to assume goodwill, that that person probably didn't mean to be harmful or hurtful. And, you know, it it allowed, it actually allowed and opened up space to be able to have better conversations because I wasn't so worried about how personally hurt I was. I was able to put myself in their shoes a little bit, create some shared humanity, and then be able to say, Hey, I don't think you meant that. But let's talk about it because there was a boundary that got crossed and it actually allows for that defense, kind of that immediate defense wall to come down between both people. So I'd say when I was kind of introduced to the idea of and the art of learning to assume goodwill, that that was one. And then speaking of boundaries, the other biggest, you know, this is goes for personal and professional when somebody explained that a boundary was not meant to stop the other person, because I cannot control what the other person does. When I set a boundary, it is meant to control my actions and behavior. So an example is, you know, a misconstrued boundary boundary is you're not allowed to talk to me that way. Mm -hmm. That's not a boundary. A boundary is if you talk to me that way, I will leave the room. I can control my actions. I can't control theirs. So just that simple mindset shift changed so much about how I learned to set boundaries for myself. And then I kind of was able to move through and away from kind of that crushing reality that I felt like I was violating so many of my own boundaries Mm -hmm. because I was setting them wrong. And now I'm able to keep small promises and hold my own boundaries a lot better. And that builds my own confidence up with keeping promises to myself and understanding that a little bit better. Those are really great. And now it's your opportunity to give advice to others. What would you tell somebody coming into the construction industry? Ooh, that's a really good one too. Okay. And I actually, so I I have two partners that just started on my team. That One is fresh out of college, been working with us for six months. Um, One is still in school, but they've, they came from the military, uh, you know, family, their mom. So they have a little bit of that life experience, but they're new to the industry. And so a couple of things that I shared with them is um, what we do is hard, but what everyone does is hard, right? It's all just varying degrees of hard and it's how we set up boundaries and stuff like that and, and go about being organized that helps us move through that hard. And in every job and in construction in particular, there are seasons. There are going to be seasons that could be a couple weeks long. And then you're out of that season. And then there's seasons that could be six months. And what I mean by that is sometimes we're going to have to push through and we're going to have to work a lot of hours because our role owes this project, these services to make the project successful. And so sometimes that looks like working 60 or 65 hours a week, sometimes 70 or coming in on a weekend, but there's going to be seasons where our project is in a really good place and we're able to take a breath. And we're able to say, okay, I've got everything I need to get done to make this project successful this week, done really quickly and really well. 
and you'll have a chance to leave early. And so um, sometimes you get stuck in that season where you feel like it's never going to end and it's as hard as it's ever been and it's going to stay that way and won't change. And so I try and lay that foundation really early on that there's always that light, that season will end. And there are going to be moments where we have room to take a breath. And then on the flip side of that, similarly to what we tell new moms, right, is nap when the baby's napping and take care of yourself. Same thing. When those moments do come, when you can take a breath or you can leave early, take them. 100% take them. That is a boundary I encourage them to set very early on because the season will start where you won't have that opportunity. It's very different than just traditional, you know, eight to five in the office. We, we have peaks and valleys. And so just setting that foundation early on, I think is really helpful for folks coming into the industry. And then I'd say networking is huge. Um, and I don't just mean like go to a bunch of networking events, learn the art of networking, learn how to be very intentional with networking. Talking to a thousand people looks great on paper when you check all those, you know, I talked to a thousand people, I've got a thousand check marks. But being very strategic and aligning yourself with people who are already very good at being intentional with networking um, and kind of following their lead uh, is just going to, it's going to help you so much. And then I think people also, when we say networking, they only think externally, network outside of your organization. I would say I highly encourage people to network within their organizations as well, depending on the size, get to know people from all departments, all levels of leadership you know, make friends as you can, because, you know, like I said, I started it at TD in one role and I've had many since then. And I've been very fortunate to know so many different people and have their support and love and kindness and caring. And, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those great relationships. So network inside, network outside, and then just be very intentional with your time, your seasons, your boundaries, all that fun stuff. I love it. Uh, Darlene, I knew this was going to be an amazing interview. Um, I was looking forward to it. And um, I, I would just encourage people, if your network looks like just like you, uh, get out there and add some people into there, um, search out, find other organizations so you can include people because um, you're really going to grow. That diverse network is key. I think it's it's one of the the best things that I have uh, on my list as far as what I have that diverse network. I'd love it so much. Um, but spend some, some quality time with people like make that absolutely and and put it on your calendar. Uh, I love that. And, and that's going to, it's going to be so good for people. So thank you again for your time, um, sharing your story. And we'll definitely put, um, in the show notes a little about you and how you can, and everybody can kind of share, go back and hear your story that, that you've published as well. But if anything comes up, you know, y'all let me know. So thank you for the interview. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next Monday at same time, same place, whenever you are comfortable listening. We're on your phones, hopefully. And uh, until then, be empowering. Mm-hmm.